Well, here's something I found outside in the shed. Let's dust it off and see what it sounds like. Ephemeral objects are bits and pieces that aren't really meant to be transitory, temporary in nature. Tickets, programs. I also like to think of fleeting memories and the incidental actions that occur between the pivotal moments of our life. Those can be kind of ephemeral reminiscences, if you, if you please. Now, if you collect a bunch of these ephemeral objects together, I like to think they become sort of a, a smorgasbord of tasty messages to one's future self. I'm sort of partially collecting those. So consider this a feast house of flashbacks, taxi rides, breakfasts, and so on. All right, rolling out now from North Vancouver, leaving my treetop house oh, here on the blissful rainy North Shore. Clouds are breaking. It's getting to be a little bit nighttime here, and I'm a little bit exhausted already. Heading for the third coast in the last couple weeks. Chuck the, uh, the travel up to conventioneering, but suffice to say, I'm exploring the, exploring the way. <laughs> That's for sure. Been to New York City, and then San Jose, and now heading to London in the UK, not Ontario, for you Canadians out there, uh, to do some exploring over there. And you can chalk it all up to, you know, work and all that, but... You know, you can't pick a three different, more different cities. You know, all kind of capitals of modern capitalism in their own right. Silicon Valley, New York City, which is every cliche holds true. And now London, which uh, be a whole other trip. But for me, I've been thinking about all the times I've been to these cities before. And, uh, you know, the different circumstances under which I arrived and stayed. Often as a, as a wandering hitchhiker, <laughs> crashing on couches and floors. And... Uh, kind of making my way around and this time staying in hotels and uh, seeing things from a little bit of a different level and anyway I've been so many things I've been meaning to check in about about what I've been listening to and what I've been reading on the on these trips and uh, we're, we're just heading over the Lions Gate do a quick errand and then uh, heading to the airport so I figured I'd check in and, and you know tell you about some of these cities I've been seeing and, and what I've been reading along the way and, and that sort of thing So the thing that just astounds me most about New York City is, like, geographically speaking, the mass. I mean, it, Manhattan isn't huge, and, and let alone getting, even, even get, thinking about getting to the boroughs. You know, Manhattan itself isn't huge, but it's so... Uh, it's all regionalized within itself, which was just... It, it, you just turn a corner, and everything already sort of appears as though you've seen it before, which you have, because it's so many sites are ingrained in our kind of cultural consciousness through various media and, uh, and such. But uh, 
you know, you go from neighborhood to neighborhood, and the character and the buildings and the architecture and the vibe and everything just changes radically. And trying to figure out, you know, in Vancouver, I always come back. As whenever I'm back from a trip, I always go to Stanley Park, and Stanley Park's like the heart of Vancouver. And and you know, after all the damage the last few months, and it's always like uh, key to check in and sort of see. Uh, yeah, I always just have. I don't feel like I'm back in Vancouver till I roll by the totem poles. But uh, you know, in, in New York, I'm trying to figure out what would you call the heart of New York. You know, there's a nice quiet vibe of the West Village. There's, you know, the the kind of like the the all out. Uh, just con- mass consumer, bright, essentially overload of Times Square. There's like this uh, sort of anomaly vacuum of of peace of in Central Park, and and uh, yeah, it kind of well, was a lot of it's a lot to explore in New York, and I you can almost see why New Yorkers become so centric in their own neighborhoods, and uh, you know walking around there's nice places that. Noteworthy circumstances occurred. And heading to San Jose is a whole different trip because it's like it seems like it was all grown up yesterday, and, and there's cops rolling the roads, even though it seems that there's very little that can happen. Whoa, a little scooter pulling in front of us. I'd be a little bit nervous even riding that on the road, man. That little tiny scooter, that's nuts. Going across the big lion's gate here, and this scooter's got to be like one of these little. More, more uh, appropriate to be zooming around the local cul-de-sacs in. But anyway, I guess there's no crosswind blowing him off the way. But San Jose is kind of this mix of like old, you know, uh, California pioneer culture mixed with sort of this migrant culture, the Chinese and the Mexicans and all these different migrant workers passed through there. And now this sort of recently sprouted up new money, sort of grown from, from nowhere, glassy, architecture and silicon companies popping up and these more like endless strip malls and it doesn't look like a big city like a big city in a sense like where there's a congregated chunk of high-rise buildings and and so it's a little a whole different vibe there for sure everything rolls up pretty quiet aside from a few knuckleheads riding around with their loud cars unbelievable so i ride back in uh vancouver another uh really late night i got into every city on this trip in the middle of the night, right? Which is always a little disorienting, getting yourself settled. And, you know, 100 cab rides and all this. And, man, I had all this crap coming back from this uh, this trip, right? You know, because it was like some trade shows. And I had all these booths and 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 uh, giant television and boxes of flooring. Just tons of stuff, man. This dude at the airport, we got all uppity, man. I wanted to take off and giving me a hassle about loading the shit up in his cab. And I was like, dude relax man you know and he was getting all wound up and uh and just when he's getting all pissed off right and he's tried to pull off and i had to be like fuck dude slow down you know stop it and uh but it ended up turning into like a bonding moment man he drove me all the way back to north van after a couple stops and at the end he was like i know many don't say this but i want to tell you so i'm very sorry it was cool, and he told me, like, his whole, like, life story and everything, and he thought, like, you know, uh, he didn't realize, like, I grew up, like, two blocks from where he lives now, man, so I know his people, and I know his culture, and uh, and he knows mine, man, so we found some common ground, so that was pretty cool, because, you know, there's no way, man, I'm coming back from getting harassed by cabbies in New York, and uh, now I gotta say, in San Jose, man, got treated like rock star there at the hotel, and all the transportation was, like, totally smooth service, 
I hitched, gave a ride to um, a guy who lined up for our private ride, and he was, uh, turns out he was Canadian, living in Israel, so we brought him aboard our party bus to the airport, but uh, the hotel there was killer after a dismal hotel in New York City. This time, I'm going to be rolling nice in London. And see, last time I was there, I'd met some guys, uh, some New Zealanders at Oktoberfest in Munich, where uh, I had stumbled in, into München, and I was all right, and I was like, uh, I got really ill, right? Like, you know, I got a kind of a squirrely gut uh, uh, conundrum that lingers to this day. And uh, anyway, I was tramping around Europe without a tent, just like my sleeping bag and a tarp that I got from a Gwar concert, which is a whole other story. So I met up with these people in New Zealand and just crashed out under their awning. And uh, they woke in the morning to see me, you know, uh, laying in their awning at their tent or whatever. So uh, we became friends, and they were living in uh, London and doing the uh, kind of like the trifecta of um, of sites that the Aussies and Kiwis care to do with the running of the bulls and something about some parties in the Greek islands and then Oktoberfest. And you got to go over to Europe and do this trifecta before you can actually earn your citizenship or some some such. So they were living in London and doing this uh, at the time. And so uh, me and my amigo Trauben, who I must offer thanks to, because he turns out, my old hitchhiking buddy, he is now a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. And he's been giving me, ele- uh, pardon me, electroshock acupuncture. that's uh, been getting me a little bit more genkified to be doing these uh, this tripping around. But anyway... Uh, Traubin and I arrived from Amsterdam and needed a place to stay and we had a few scattered phone numbers that didn't really pan out and these folks put us up and I remember cooking couscous in their kitchen we had like almost no bread eh? and we cooked them down a little bit each night because we were like uh, house guests filling up their floor and I remember drinking tea and uh, having hoots from the little honey bear bong that they had made and uh, I'm going to a pub and drinking uh, warm bitter beer which uh, room temperature, pardon me, which I'm much more accustomed to now thanks to my newfound interest in traditional Chinese medicine where I've learned that room temperature beverages, even tepid water, it's good for the digestion. So I can roll with that now. So I'm looking forward to trying that out. I'm also hoping to head up towards Scotland to sort of mm, poke around the history of Robbie Burns a little bit, the great Scottish bard slash ne'er-do-well uh, who traipsed around uh, Scotland, found himself in interesting trysts with women, confessions to various uh, clergymen, and uh, and wild madcap mishaps galore. And now he's uh, fondest, uh, one of the fondest memories the to the Scottish peeps, man. So, uh, but who knows what kind of adventures we're going to get up to. For the plain reading, I brought James Joyce's The Dubliners, as well as Rudyard Kipling's Baba Black Sheep, in one of those little tiny mini penguin editions that I like so much they're just we and Dubliners seemed like a good fit I was going to take Henry Miller's books of my life which I've been meaning to work through but uh, ah just feel, felt a little bit better this last trip though I had uh, Haruki Murakami's um, uh, vintage Murakami like a collection of his short stories I'd read most of them but I, I was like it's one of those things I open up and read a story or two and I mean the stories are pretty intense right uh, and it's just kind of I read him on a postcard from Gravelly Beach before he's kind of like a Japanese Raymond Carver maybe kind of like a postmodern writer and you know he's very conscious of his space and generation the post Beatles post Kerouac um, you know when Japan had grown up in the post imperialistic you know that was a memory and 
So he's very conscious of this, and he talks about, you know, these kind of social conundrums. And and uh, so anyway, I read a couple of his stories, including one that was really pretty intense, right, about some Japanese soldiers in a mission into Outer Mongolia and the horrible fate that befell them there. So uh, but I'd also taken Herman Hesse's uh, reflections, but I didn't get a chance to dig into this because it was just nonstop, go, go, go on this last on this last trip. All right, Isa from Kenya has got us headed down venerable old Granville Street, right up the spine of Vancouver. Soon, uh, well, we'll just kind of cruise by Canby, where all that construction is for the new Canada line, uh, formerly called the Rav Line or some the Richmond Airport or Vancouver, you know, line. Anyway, they're uh, they're doing like the the dig and putting the train in and then cover it up thing and. People are complaining because the businesses are suffering along the line and stuff. But, you know, I think it this calls for optimism and enthusiasm rather than, you know, it's a tough conundrum, right? But the fact of the matter is it's got to go in somewhere. And there's always a, a there's always going to be casualties along the way. So you somehow got to turn it into an opportunity and switch it around. And that's what the old Dalai Lama would say, man, during that adversity and an opportunity and perhaps change the nature of your business to take advantage of the different populations and streams of transit and traffic that will come uh, from the during the construction and after the construction but you know it's strange because I love uh, rocking public transit wherever I go I rode the crazy old subways in New York and holy crap man subway SkyTrain is like luxury cruising compared to the, the New York subway man that's some crazy stuff. That being said, it goes everywhere, and it's uh, remarkably efficient for looking like a, like a, like a crazy, rattly, loud death trap everywhere it goes. London's tube, of course, the oldest going. In San Jose, they had these little kind of European tram-style streetcars zipping around, uh, and you know that's uh, that's a nice way to go, right? I like the trams because you're above ground and you can see stuff, and that's one thing that disappoints me about the Canby line is putting it underground rather than elevated because you you know you don't get that uh, you don't get the view, and I think it's like the best way for a tourist to get a sense of the city is to just drop a few bucks on a transit pass and just rock it from Surrey to Seabus, you know, up to Lonsdale Key, and then from there, if you're really smart, you take the uh, city bus up to Lynn Valley Suspension Bridge. And you uh, check out that suspension bridge and the rainforest and all that for free rather than paying 20 bucks to Capilano Suspension Bridge. So that's my wise tourist tip for you when you're rolling to Vancouver. I also suggest that you visit one of the many pitch and putt courses located around the city for some cheap entertainment. Definitely do some five-pin bowling. As far as summertime goes, man, if you haven't been checking it out, Miss 604, well, she's been blogging up a storm about all these summertime activities you know, something I kind of riffed on last year, kind of making a list of all the free and cheap ways to spend time in Vancouver in the summertime. Because every ethnic group has their festivals, Caribbean festivals, there's Greek festivals, there's Scandinavian Midsummer Night Fair, there's, uh, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino, like name it, man. You know, there's like some sort of fest celebrating that culture. Plus there's like the Commercial Drive Car Free Fest, and the three nights of fireworks are going to be going off again, which is definitely one to check out. So anyway, check out Miss 604's post. And uh, 
or in uh, old hubby Iowa John are just blogging up a storm these days so uh, it's a good way to check on what's going on in Vancouver because they seem to be on top of it man rocking the citizen journalism thing like I'll get out and uh, I also gotta give a hoot and a holler to uh, Scarborough dude who makes the uh, well the uh, what's he call his podcast he makes a podcast Scarborough dude Dick and Jane's podcast I should know this. But anyway, he's been in Japan on some business trips and doing some uh, auto journals and some kind of flashback and reminiscing about what Japan's meant to him and his business for the last decade and a half and, and uh, kind of his fo- cultural foibles and, and things as Serena's sitting in the park drinking beer and eating onigiri, things very dear to my heart. So uh, I sent him an audio message. And man, like all these other audio messages I record for like Father Roderick and for my buddy Martin over at the Under Majestic, I never get around to actually sending them. So um, note to self, send that uh, message to him. I record it while waiting for the C-bus, and I told him the bad news about his former street corner up in North Van now has another Starbucks. So does. Corner right by my house. Yet another one. What's that brain? 83 of them? Unbelievable. So now we're rolling down the stretch of Granville, uh, kind of uptown Vancouver, and it's... Uh, Part of town that tourists don't really get to see much. I had the Colorado kids in through town. We took them out in Denman and had some crazy Indian food at a place auspiciously named Indica. Another one of those Vancouver experiences of rolling up big, big fatty and smoking at Lighthouse Point there in Stanley Park. Oh, good times in Vancouver. But, you know, for as much as I love Vancouver, I'm a little miffed about some of the political crap going on here right now with the Civil City Ordinance. Right, like what they're trying to do is enact these all these little fines um, for all these like kind of minor offenses, you know, uh, like uh, loafing and spitting and and urinating and stuff. And well, I'm cool with like people being civil. I really am. I think that they're the way that they're doing it is a little heavy-handed measure, and it seems to have kind of snuck it through without many people really realizing that that's going to affect them. The uh, kind of the unwritten auspices for it is to like tidy up the town before the Olympics but the unwritten part of that is sort of sweep all the, the homeless folks out towards Surrey or to the PNE or further out to the Burbs you know so it's uh, it's quite interesting to see because the police presence and just the, the vibe of Vancouver has really taken a step to the heavy handed approach the last few months and there's like newspapers decrying articles saying harm reduction is a failure, there's a new police chief coming in and uh, the the, the vibe in the city in general is kind of the, that kind of that activist buzz has kind of been dulled a little bit aside from the anti-poverty committee who are uh, resorting to kind of civil disobedience messages measures to get their message across and uh, but man holy crap there's some serious problems down there in the stretch there of, of uh, downtown east side that well I'm going to address a little bit more in an upcoming postcards from Gravely Beach as part of that white poppies for remembrance series I've been doing but it's uh, there's a big social conundrum there that needs to be sorted out, and I think it's got to be done with transparency and decency rather than these kind of half uh, half measures. You know, the province just came in and bought a bu- up a bunch of single residency single resident occupancy hotels, but sort of did out of the blue and without haven't really announced what they're going to do and how they're going to approach that and if they're going to be torn down, made into social housing or or they're going to be just renovating the the province will be the landlord. No one really knows. you got to communicate, man. It makes it a lot easier for everyone.
so I broke this little cheesy adapter thing for my iPod Shuffle that I scored for free at a Palm Desert at a trade show. Um, but uh, I've got a, I went to go buy a new one. That's 40 bucks, man, for a stupid Apple little adapter, man. You know, I've been buying Apple crap for decades, right? I'm getting a little bit ticked about the nickel and diamond crap that they do to fix the stuff. So I found a, a third-party one I bought for 20 bucks. It's actually probably smarter design, but still made with about four cents worth of plastic parts. But in that iPod, I've loaded up uh, club, new Clubside Breakfast Time. And Cosmo, accompanied by the lovely Dingo, have uh, been busting out a few shows. And they were up for the police concert not too long ago. And I hardly had a chance to keep up with their hectic party pace. But suffice to say, it was a pleasure to see them and, and hang out and show them a little corner of my universe up here and I had a whole article in mind to write about it at the police after that show and kind of comparing the police to some other bands and kind of figuring out their place in musical history and, and explain the relevance to uh, to the younger folk and uh, reconcile that with the older folk and figure out my place in that whole thing and, but uh, and break it down you know break down the songs but that didn't really happen but uh Got off to, the show got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but by about the fourth song, they really found their groove and, and ended up in a, a real good uh, real good vibe. But you know, it was interesting to see the different musical directions they push each other in, where Copeland's always trying to hurry things up and Sting's always trying to slow things down. And uh, Summer just wants, wants to be all understated and, and, uh, and cool, make sure people are paying attention, noticing the subtlety. But anyway, I've got their shows loaded up. I got some dope fiend because I might check in with him in London. And uh, I've been listening. You know, I love these BBC documentaries, right? There's just a great one in the, in our time, or um, about epistolatory, ah, jeez, epistolatory literature. It's our literature in the form of letters, which I'm a enthusiast of as a literary device. Listen to that. They got one queued up about. Um, Borges, the South American writer, and uh, and, a, and a few other ones about um, Greek and Roman love poetry, and some Scarborough dude as well. As I love these uh, KEXP Sonaki radio uh, shows, those are some good mind candy. And then Amigo Traubens made me up a, a, a mix of kind of some down tempo, chill uh, acoustic flavor from uh, Pender Island, some Pender Island mix. So you can see what's uh, what's in there to a weary mind as I head uh, far, 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 far east here. Check out the third coast, see the Atlantic from the other side. airport now and it's kind of well it's pretty pretty neat eh like in this new uh, international arrival and departure lounge here at YVR uh, they have it like all set up like nature uh, museum fun time so I'm in here and there's like this uh, well there's a giant like wall sized fish tank it's just incredible eh sea anemones a saltwater tank with anemones and starfish and, and bottom feeders and schooling fish and and 
all sorts of seaweed, big kelp beds and everything, and this giant tank, right? And then it's got a whole river that sort of, not actually, but sort of seems to be flowing into it. And the river banks are all these, you know, like, uh, I guess, what are they? Some kind of, well, I guess there's some kind of hard molded concrete all done up to look like, uh, well, like a stream bed and rocks. And actually did a great job. There's random bits of rocks and shells and stuff. So it's kind of meant to be like this, like a river delta going into the ocean, which is right, like, where the airport is in the greater scheme of things in Vancouver. So, uh, so like, there's a little waterfall. And uh, can you hear the birds and stuff, too? There's, like, birds. So it gives you, like, a little nature experience, which makes it pretty cool. It's all big and spacious, and the lighting, it's, like, movie set kind of lighting. It's all, like, looks like spotlights coming down from the ceiling, which is... uh, well, different than a lot of the drab, lonely airports I've been into in my day, traveling around. So, uh, but, you know, earlier I started spilling off about reading books on trips, and, you know, it's really, if you don't bring something good to enrich your mind when you're on a trip, well, if you're not uh, careful, you'll end up reading the kind of like crappy newspapers and reading about news and events that are beyond your sphere's influence and concern or else maybe you'll end up reading some insipid magazine filled with marketing propaganda and you know telling you what to think and what to buy so it's important to bring a book but you know oh look at this it's like even tree trunks and there's like some crystal salmon swimming in this make-believe river too I'm going to choose a comfortable seat here by the river and they got all these like Jetson-looking seats everywhere. Uh, it looks like my old uh, my old stomping grounds at Evergreen College. But uh, so anyway, you got to bring something good to read, and uh, it's got to be something that's in order to really capture my attention. It's got to be something with some real substance to it. And I'm not someone to just drift through some uh, light disposable paperback. And uh, sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And but uh, a while ago on a trip to Palm Desert, California, I guess it was, Palm Springs. Uh, I picked up a copy from Powell's at, at the Portland Airport. Powell's, the fine bookseller, uh, had a, uh, a store, and they had their discount pile, which I go right for. They had a book called Samurai William, and it was talking about an Englishman who had gone and opened up Japan to trade. And I was like, oh, right on. It must be around, you know, that, uh, you know the, the post-Admiral Perry era or something like that. But... Uh, turned out to be this fantastic historical narrative of uh, an, uh, an English mariner who sailed with the Dutch who ended up in Japan and basically was stuck there and in being stuck there and injured he like totally got in with the Japanese culture and he's sort of the unwitting ambassador between the Europeans and the Japanese for years while they all jockeyed for position in, in those trading routes where the Portuguese and Spanish and the Brits and the Dutch we're all having all these kind of unholy alliances to kind of shut each other out, down and try to establish trading rights for themselves in various places. And, you know, and there'd be wars affecting their relationship from far away and, and friends would turn into enemies and vice versa. And people are double-crossing. 
and those uptight Brits were always expecting to have these crazy unrealistic expectations, were always keeping tabs on it no matter how far flung you were. And people from the training post would take off and head to up the river to Vietnam or, you know, Borneo and 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 you know, it was all about finding opening new markets. But this was back in the day when before the Japan shut down again. You know, Japan was shut down for a while and then the American gunboats kind of opened it, forced it back open, so to speak. But before that, uh, you know, there had been foreigners in Japan, but they were gradually all kicked out. And then just some Portuguese and Dutch had some limited trading rights at an outpost off of Kyushu, off of Nagasaki. Uh, but, be- but before then, there was Jesuits and, and Dutch and Portuguese, and they're all in and out of Japan. So some fantastic period of Japanese history that's often just sort of desi- you know, designated to a footnote saying, well, during this period, there was limited trade, and before that, but really there was a rich history there. So it totally captivated my attention for the, for the whole trip. And there was another recent trip where I went for something a little bit lighter. It was uh, Jimmy Buffett. Yep, yep. You know that singer, the guy that does the songs, right? He, had a, has a, he writes books as well, and uh, he had one called A Salty Piece of Land. And, and it was a little bit uh, self-conscious. And, uh, uh, you know, it's not... Uh, let's, no one's going to mistake it for Tolstoy, right? But it was talking about things I like, you know, lounging around and traveling around the tropics and, and uh, writing letters and eating fish and barbecuing and having a few beverages along the way. But uh, kind of opposite ends of the, uh, the realm of, uh, of what I might otherwise be uh, put in front of my face. So as I mentioned, on this trip, I brought uh, James Joyce's The Dubliners. And a little bit heavy, again, but I try to somehow match it thematically with where I'm going. And I know I'm going to London and not Dublin. It doesn't really make sense. But, uh, you know, I just sort of look at the shelf and see what sort of grabs me. That's what did. So we'll see what uh, what occurs. Well, I'm gonna find a cup of tea here because uh, I got about an hour to kill before uh, I hop on the plane for a late night flight across a continent and an ocean, landing in London tomorrow evening. Please stop, say hello.